Hey, sorry. The one problem with calling is that it has these pop-ups that invite you to other rooms. So I was trying to hit mute or hit another button, and then a pop-up came for another room, and I got sucked into another room, and it killed the room. It's a very annoying, very annoying thing. So um, go try to get Q back in here and try to pick up where we left off. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly... Um, how that happened. I feel like Colin should have something that keeps people from getting sucked into other rooms when they're already running a room, but um, that's just a weird design flaw. Anyway, I sent Q uh, a link to this room. Let's see if we can get him back in here. I'm going to try to invite him in the speaker, but um, uh, hey, Thomas, if you want to come back, if you want to come back in as um I don't know if you were done speaking, but you're free to come back, come back on. But how uh, many times we got to say that the button placement on this bad boy is so dangerous? Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very crazy. Well, this thing wasn't so much the button; it was like something came up on the top of the screen. I, I think it was the Aaron Mate thing. Uh, uh, for I think he had some kind of show happening. I got something to someone else's room. I was trying to hit a a button, and then yeah, it, it's very. I don't know why it gives you notifications to go into other people's rooms. Uh, if you're already running a room, it should be yes, disabled. But yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, but I'm going to notify everyone to come back in here. But yeah, yeah. So, so you were in the middle of saying something here in response to that uh, song that I played about uh, nothing is anybody's fault. Oh, just that. Um, yeah, is that, that like uh, as long as it. Um, Something traumatic has happened to you, then it's absolutely a psychopathic. Wait, wait. I think I, I think I think you I think you cut out on a bunch of that. I don't know why. I don't know if it's just me or for everyone, but I think you cut out for everyone. But um... no, it's the logic that like if something traumatic happens to you, then your response uh, to it, even if it hurts other people, is never totally your fault, and that. Anything that you do can be explained away by your trauma. Like, this is something that I really started to see on boards back around like 2012, 13, and 14. And that's for example, persists because, like, I don't know, we came up with the phrase hurt people, hurt people a long time ago. And I think we have moved on since then to get that, like, just because something bad happens to you doesn't mean, like, one thing that I've said about trauma for a very long time is that you're not responsible for things out of your control that happen to you, but you are always responsible for how you respond to it. And I think that's generally how like most like grief counselors and trauma counselors will approach the issue is that, yeah, you do have responsibility over how you manage your trauma. Like you're not just completely off the hook, but this like pop psychology version of um, this, this pop psychology version of like trauma response is that, Oh yeah, you can just indulge whatever like bad habit, whatever kind of like psychopathic tendency you have because you were hurt, and until you purge the hurt from your system, you can't be held responsible. Well, well, I think one of the problems is right that the hurt people, hurt people thing has been combined with intersectionality, and what that kind of happens is hurt people, hurt people, but some hurt people deserve the mic over other hurt people because they're more oppressed and therefore there's a hierarchy of hurt people, hurt people. So it's like, yeah, 
hurt people hurt people, but it's more forgivable the more oppressed identities that you have. So then it becomes this kind of thing where it's like, uh, yeah, um, hurt people hurt people, but I'm a, um, you know, white feminist. So my hurt trumps your hurt, you know, but, you know, by the way, I'm a black disabled trans lesbian feminist. So my hurt therefore hurts your hurt. Is this because it's a weird kind of, um, hierarchy where it's like um hurt people hurt people becomes an excuse to you know get away with things like hey um it's not my fault that i hurt people because i was hurt but on top of that um some people's hurt counts more than other people's hurt because they've been more traditionally hurt you know while other people have had a cakewalk most of the time because of privilege so it's like um my hurt matters more than your hurt because most of your excuses you haven't been hurt because of privilege and any hurt that you do to get is just desserts because historically you've gotten an easy ride so it's uh fine so you know i feel like um wanda is traditionally from a third world background and has been a victim of like a war torn whatever and these people are from uh happy-go-lucky first-world New Jersey thing. So it's like, hey, she's not of color technically, but she's like a gypsy, and she's uh, suffered from, like, you know, poverty and whatever. So these people had some room to be traumatized, you know? Like, this is a little bit of cosmic justice. Like, these Pleasantville, leave-it-to-beaver-type New Jersey people uh, have had a charmed first-world existence, and Wanda hasn't. So... In a weird way, I think her third world background was kind of meant to almost be kind of an intersectional justification. Like, hey, she's come from a worse background. So even this little bit of trauma she's giving these people doesn't even the scales. They, on a cosmic level, deserve a little more trauma even, and she's still not a bad person. You know, that's kind of how a lot of this pop intersectional logic goes. Like, you know... um, to whatever extent my behaviors are an unfair double standard, it's still okay because on a cosmic level, thanks to your privilege, you've had it coming uh, anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, like, um, the, the, the reinforcement of that by the strong black female lead, like, that... I don't know. That was just like the last straw for me. I was just like, I can't believe they tricked me into watching this thing. When uh, Monica Rambo says, "Like they'll never, they'll never understand what you sacrificed for them," I was like, "Oh god!" So at some at some point, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna get this point, like this never ending stream of like of like women characters in film just being able to be. Complete. Although you know what though, like I don't know, maybe it is an extension of real life because. It, it does seem to be like a trend that, like, whenever uh, this actually is not just like it's not exclusive to women. I see it happen a lot in like the gay community as well. Where, totally, like, people do the most fucked up things to each other, and then just be like, "Yeah, but you know, I just I, I, I felt like it had to, like that's the best." Yeah, and and you know what's crazy, right? Is at some point Monica especially calls herself an ally. She says. Yeah, uh, you know, I consider myself an ally to you. I'm like, oh my god, they're like 
Oh, especially no. putting intersectional language into this. Like, what the fuck is ally mean? Oh, like, no. like, what the what the hell? It's just so weird. Yeah, like you have a job, lady. Like you have a, you have a job and you work with the agency. What do you mean, ally? Yeah, it's so it's so fucking bizarre. Like, uh, to the extent, I mean, I, I think a lot of this, like a lot of people claim that this is like um, intersectionality being misinterpreted or co-opted by capitalism. But I think all this is basically the end point of all intersectionality. I think this is baked into the so-called good intersectionality. Like, I think this is the only place it can possibly go. I think it's neoliberal from the beginning, but it just like it's just so freaking weird like to me this thing is so informed by social justice activist liberal discourse and it's a perfect example of what we were talking about before about how with kenobi it makes timeless things small like for whatever you can say about old school comics and whatever they're kind of trying to grapple with universal themes of good and evil and whatever and all these new things that you're trying to take the universal aspects of these old things and try to make them timely and current and dated and in the way it makes them small. Like even within, even within the commentary of this um, sitcom, right? The commentary of the show, it's undeniable for all the amount that these people like to mock the past and complain about it and whatever. Right. Everything old is bad because Old people had nothing to contribute to the world except being racist, sexist, and homophobic and transphobic or whatever. But even within the context of their own satire, when they're satire when they're satirizing the old stuff, it's undeniable that's more entertaining and better crafted. Like by the time they get to like Malcolm in the Middle and The Office and Modern Family as satirization targets, it's just so fucking boring. Like their first episode with a sat- satirizing Dick Van Dyke show and second episode with Bewitched, they were effortlessly entertaining. Like, maybe back then was more racist, maybe back then was more sexist or whatever, but it's undeniable that it was way more entertaining. Like, by the end, when they're satirizing The Office and Modern Family and Parks and Rec, just like those real shows are so much fucking more drier and more boring than the old school I Love Lucy type shows, this satirization, like, it was just a slog to get through the Modern Family type um, episode. But to be fair, it was a good capture of the real thing because Modern Family to me is very unfunny. You know, it's it's just... And and, and I think it goes to like what, what you're saying. Like, um, these people are kind of trying to say something, but they're just not that interesting, you know? And, and it's, um, or maybe it's not what you're trying to say. I don't want to put words into your mouth, but, um, yeah, there's something that I think gets lost as they bring it to the modern day. And what gets lost as they bring it to the modern day is a reflection of the writer's own, own faults. Like, like this is this is the last thing I'm gonna say, right? Wanda is actively torturing and fucking up all these people. Like she's actively being an emotional terrorist. But there's all these little things that are happening in the sitcom parodies 
that are supposed to make Wanda morally superior to the past. Like, for example, they have two separate beds, right? And they're sleeping in two separate beds. Then Wanda uses her magic to bring the beds together. Then, Then she merges them into one bed. And it's like, oh, the 1950s and 60s were so prudish about sex. And Wanda is being like kind of a lean-in second-wave feminist about, hey, we shouldn't be prudish about sex. And it's like, okay, that's nice that she's doing that, but somehow merging two beds together and being a little less uptight about talking about sex shouldn't outweigh torturing whole towns of people. Like, she's not morally superior to the 50s and 60s because I would rather take two separate beds than be under the spell of... um a fascist mind control person, you know, or she talks back to the sexist doctor, you know, the doctor saying, oh, you know, we can't let these little ladies care about what happens to their bodies, you know, it's up to us men folk. And she's like, no, I do want to take control of my body. It's like, okay, that's nice, but you're still fucking torturing <laughs> a whole town of people and locking kids in their rooms. Like, it took me a while to realize this is happening, but there's no kids going on in the whole town. Basically, for nine days, the adult kids were being locked into their room and separated from their um, parents. Are they going to the bathroom? I don't know. Supposedly, these kids are probably shitting and pissing themselves for nine days in these rooms, just covered in feces and urine. <laughs> but, but hey, she, she, she spoke up to the sexist doctor. She put two. I'm like, this is how a lot of Felicia Sanmez type, um, I'm with her, Hillary type feminists really think about the world. Like, hey... My little bullshit um, strides for a specific type of woman and her lifestyle comfort overcomes sincere problems and, uh, you know, patriarchal oppressive power structures, you know, in, in the world. Like, hey, I'm part of America and the most oppressive force on earth. But within that, you know, it's kind of like a slave owning woman. Like, you know, hey. I'm all for like slavery and I'm benefiting from this thing. But, you know, within the context of my marriage, I fought for this small comfort and that makes me a hero, even though in the big picture, I'm supporting the institution of slavery. Like I felt like this thing properly captured white feminism, but not in the way that they hoped in a very unflattering way. Yeah. And also like, um, the, uh, I think there would have been an, an interesting, commentary at least uh to be made on the haze code which is like the what you brought up earlier um how they were sleeping in separate beds and then wanda brought the beds together like there could have been some kind of interesting commentary on the haze code which was this sort of um self-imposed uh set of like guidelines possibly even you could probably you could call it censorship uh that the uh, movie and tv industry imposed on itself post-world war ii period that uh, returns to sort of like a conservative, um, like, like I would say, like like a family values uh, uh, type of environment where, like, certain sexual acts and, and violent acts were not to be shown. So there's something that they could have done with that, but rather than I don't know actually explore anything to do with that time period, it was just all aesthetics and there was no commentary on it whatsoever. Other than oh yeah, I'm more progressive than these shows are by bringing their bed together. You know what it reminded me of? And after this, I'll, I'll go to Robert. It reminded me of that woman or man. I'm sorry. I'm late to this whole thing. 
Um, so I'm probably misgendering at some point, but that person, let me say that, that person on Twitter who worked for um, the Lockheed Martin. Martin. Oh, and yeah, Martin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's ex- that's exactly what I was gonna say. This is the Lockheed Martin discourse. Yeah, it was Lockheed Martin. Like, like with, with this person, with the people defending the person were saying stuff like, "Well, hey, yeah, this person helps bomb uh, all these black and brown people, of which, surely, there are some queer people mixed in, you know, because th- there's queer people in black and brown countries, right? But it's still an overall good thing because it's a job that helps one disabled person." Um, Work. So people were trying to say, like, hey, this is like a woke thing because it's a work at home thing where a uh, disabled queer person can um, work without having to traumatize themselves. And it's like, okay, so because this one person can get a little bit of superficial lifestyle comfort, we're supposed to overlook all the uh, oppressed people, including some of which are probably um, queer themselves, who get bombed to smithereens because this one first world person. Just a little bit of comfort, and that's what I felt was like was happening with this one division. Like, okay, she pushed two beds together. Uh, nice. She's torturing a whole population, but who cares? The white lady got a little bit of um, second wave feminist, um, you know, advancement against the haze code. Like, you know, uh, nice. Your pain and comfort trump trumps everyone else's. And yeah, uh, Robert, by all means, uh, feel free to take over. I mean, I don't have like too much to say, but that's I was just about to bring up. This is just a Lockheed Martin discourse where it's it's, it's only it, everything's fine as long as it's pleasurable to me, as long as it kind of validates me. And I think just at, at, at the end of the day, you know, these people they don't you know, a hundred people die in some other country they've never met and they're never going to care about, and that's fine to them because they just aren't real people. They're just you know, it's, it's just not real. No, no, it, it it's totally it's totally right, and this was like a microcosm of that. I totally agree. Like, uh, you know, other people, my pain trumps everyone else's. The same thing with, with like that Reva in um in the Kenobi thing. Like, hey, I have this particular trauma, and it really hurt me bad, and now I'm free to inflict that same trauma on a bunch of other people. And why is that okay? Hey, my trauma trumps. Everyone else is. That's how a lot of people um, think nowadays. And like I said before, this is um, Felicia Sanmez with Powers. There was a lot of little things. Uh, um, did you happen to see this show or no? No, I ha- you know I don't. I just why I don't have a lot to say. But I yeah. haven't actually seen the show because you know I've watched you know a f- you know I've watched like a handful of Marvel films throughout the years, and they're all the same. So I'm I'm just not interested. And in I I watched a different movie today actually, and it was much more rewarding. And I didn't feel like I was just kind of wasting my time. Oh, what was the movie, if I can ask? Uh, it was called Requiem for a Heavyweight. Oh my movie. god, it's that's a great, movie. that's a great fucking movie. It was oh, really good. When you told me you saw a movie and it rewarded you, I got excited. I thought you saw a new movie because I'm so desperate oh. to see a new movie that I like. But of course, it's an old movie. I, I was talking to you earlier today that I just don't like new movies anymore. They're just always like so freaking bad. And is the record for heavyweights? But uh, Rod Serling, I believe, wrote that. Uh, he wrote the book. This was the movie adaptation. It was a little bit different. Oh, oh wait, or it was a play. I think it was a play. Oh wait, Rod Serling but, didn't write the movie too. I thought he did. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'd have, probably have to. I don't. I, I know it's just based off of his story, at least. 
But at the very least, it's, it's Rod Schroeder had something to do with it, and it's like, okay, I understand people were more racist, sexist, homophobic, whatever back then, but they were also just fucking more talented. I'm, I'm, and other people aren't talented now, but for whatever reason, they could get woke people who are talented with good life experience, and for whatever reason, they don't. They get the most banal... Um, well, because all of this content is, is tailored to the you know the gay trans Lockheed Martin employee who feels bad about themselves, and it's tailored to them. Exactly. All of, about, all of these shows are about them. When I watch like, like Requiem for a Heavyweight, there there are more universal themes in that. You know, there are things that you know there are like problems that I feel like a lot of people could actually connect with. Yes. And and, and you can't connect with these things because. I mean, at least I can't connect with it because I'm not trying to be a pouty baby. If I brought up my parents or my grandparents' trauma and I used that as an excuse, they would just slap me. Yeah, yeah, and also, this is, I think, I think this is not really in addition to what you're saying. This is this is just kind of making what you're saying uh, a little more explicit. But I think there's a class aspect of it too. Like we like said, the Lockheed Martin type of oppressed person is somebody who is their experience is diverse is divorced from a lot of other queer people, a lot of other black people, whatever, you know, you know, like they are kind of piggybacking on uh, the problem of a lot of women, a lot of black people, a lot of queer people to kind of mask their kind of petty bourgeois problems. You know, you, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of like real feminist problems you could talk about, but this show was not talking about them. Like women in separate beds, um, suburban women, you know, um, not getting... It, it kind of reminds me of David, Chappelle, David Chappelle's joke about how a lot of feminism is, um, I was in on the heist with you, but I'm just complaining about my cut. You know, like, uh, that's what this show reminded me of. It's like, you're actively oppressing people, but hey, you've had a little bit of inconvenience in your life uh, as the oppressor, and you know, here's your inter here's your inter oppressor um, gr- grievances. You know, like, um, and it's like, well, okay, I, I think deep down these people know that they haven't had any real problems, but, but yeah, because a lot of them are because a lot of these people are talentless, and to cover up for their personal failures, they talk about all of these little inconveniences because they're mostly just inconveniences, and you know, some people have had real problems, but. Everyone who you know, you know, I come from like a very poor family, and if you try to bring that up as like an excuse, like oh, you, you know, people, they're just gonna get angry with you, you know, especially like my parents or my grandparents, they would just, I, I'd never hear the end of it. Totally, totally, yeah. I grew up, I grew up as a blue collar person, and it's like there's not really a sympathetic ear for this stuff because it's like people have to deal with the real reality, like you can't really, um talk about stuff like this it's i don't know this, this show there's just some things you have to live with you know and, and yeah. they might be bad but you you just have to move on you can't sit you know can't look at your personal failures and just live within that personal failure you gotta try to advance from that you gotta try to improve but it's people type don't of, want to improve this is a type of problem that just by virtue of saying it's your biggest problem is a great sign that your life really isn't that bad and that's kind of what I felt a lot of times, like, you know, watching this, like the correctives that 
Wanda's so-called feminism in this show are doing, that's supposed to make her such a good person, are such non-problems. Like, okay, um, sleeping in separate beds versus two beds because of the censorship of the Hays Code and all this stuff versus actual um, totalitarian oppression, you know, like, okay, it's no contest. You know, you know what I mean? And the fact that you're actually kind of expecting one to outweigh the other is um, a real sign that you just never had real problems in your in your in your life. But the problem is a lot of people who write about this show and celebrate this show also have never had any real problems in their lives, but desperately have oppression envy. I think oppression envy is a real big problem among the liberal bourgeoisie now where they want to be oppressed so bad. And it's like saying that I'm vaguely queer or I'm vaguely non-binary or I'm something or other that makes me anything other than just a regular cis white straight um, inheritor of empire um, is creating all this fucked up weird wokeness. You know what I mean? Like, okay, Elizabeth Olsen is a traditionally attractive a white woman who's cis, straight, um, unremarkable except for her genetics and whatever, and you're going to try to make me believe that she's somehow oppressed. Like, like there's a scene, I know you didn't see this show, so, so you wouldn't get the scene, right? But there's a scene where Agatha Harkness says to Elizabeth Olsen, um, I wrote this down, so let me get this, um, I won't get this exactly right, so I'm going to pull it up so I don't paraphrase it. This This part just made me fall out of my chair. I, I want I want to just be like a wild baboon and just shit in my hand and throw feces at the screen. That's that's how upset I was at this at this thing. I wanted to just regress evolutionarily and just um, throw turds at the screen when she said this. But she said, um, "I'm gonna find this exact quote because it's so bad. I don't want to um, even risk paraphrasing it and." Hold back on it. Where where is it? Oh, yeah. She goes. There will always be torches and pitchforks for ladies like us. And it was some. And um, Agatha Harkness, the one evil witch, is saying this to the other uh, evil witch, which is um, Wanda. Because I don't care what you say, she's an evil witch. She's not. She's not a hero. All right. And. There's this idea that they're so oppressed, even as the whole town is still under mind control and being tortured, the biggest victims here are these two kind of girl bosses. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, we're always be so oppressed. Like, okay, one of you is a blatant evil witch who's been around for thousands of years just waiting to uh, control the world, and the other one is actively holding a whole town hostage and giving them nightmares. Like, uh, the town people actually say in the few moments where they're not under mind control, please kill us. Like, can you just let us die? At night, we have all your nightmares. Uh, it hurts so much. You know what I mean? And somehow, this line, um, you know, about there will always be torches and pitchforks for ladies like us. Like, like uh, what ladies? Like, um, sociopathic uh, fascistic um, mind controlling mind controlling ladies like how on earth in the middle of this scene of mind controlled people are you still trying to make us think that you guys um, two beautiful privileged um, first world you know women with magic powers are the actual misunderstood oppressed ones you know two women who do 
active active evil and i was like what the hell am i am i am i watching like one is the evil which was to take over the world and this family of people being tortured and the other one is the woman who's actually doing the torturing for her own narcissistic um grief reasons that are shared with the same people who are being mind controlled like neither of you are innocent victims of patriarchy here like shut the fuck up well, they also have their pitchforks for them because they're torturing them. I mean, you're, I mean, this is also the idea that their dreams are just so horrible that these people just want to kill themselves as if other people don't have those dreams already. Yes, well said. And, and uh, just, I mean, I guess um, one more thing I was going to bring up is, you know, you're talking earlier about like bourgeois and like how older movies seem to be more interesting. And that's because I feel like 95 or 99 percent of everyone who comes into Hollywood or is a big star nowadays is somehow connected to like royalty or aristocracy somehow. Very and true. I remember seeing the, 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 on Twitter, or class babies. Yeah, like yeah, and then I remember on Twitter I saw something. It was like an Orson Welles video and him just like bashing Elia Elia Kazan, I think. I think that was the person. And, and it yes, just, yes, it was. Yeah, and and, and you know, it, you know, there's just more and more sellouts, and of course, you know, there's a big lot of cooperation between the government and like Hollywood and. I'm sure there's movies that new movies that are out there that I would enjoy a lot, but I'd rather look at the older ones because there's a you, you at least had to have some amount of talent to to have gotten through there. There's a lot of more there was a lot more room for people who who were talented to just push up instead of just nepotism babies. Oh, oh, for sure, I totally agree. Um, no, I agree beyond. You know, it's, it's crazy. You didn't even see the show, but you totally get what I'm, what I'm talking about. Um, because all these shows are the same. Yeah, yeah. But that's weird. This show is the same in the way a lot of Marvel movies are the same. But worse, like, they kept the worst part of Marvel movies, but then just added new stuff that is the worst part of something else. So it's actually... Like, they took all the cliched parts of Marvel movies, which is, like, a sky beam at the end, a giant, boring CGI monster, um, the heroes fighting boring doppelgangers of themselves, but just added horrible Tumblr social justice influencer morality to it on top of everything else. So it's, like, it's the same, but trust me, it's worse at the same, at the same, at the same time. Like, they took away what few good things were in those cliched Marvel movies. Because one thing with the old Marvel movies, for all like the cliched Skybeam CGI monster at the end, um, doppelganger, whatever, they did touch on some universal themes from the comics. And this thing has sapped those redeeming qualities and just made... Uh, I don't even know. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't believe how few callers we had. I mean, this is like a highly rated show. I, was, I think we'd have more people jumping in to give their thoughts on this thing. Oh, also, if you're logged in anonymously, please feel free to log in on the desktop. It helps us with the metrics to the show. It helps our um, ratings. Hey, Q, what's going on? Is your audio okay? I just want to make sure you're okay. I haven't heard from you in a while. No, no, I'm here. I was actually just listening. Oh. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 I've been trying this new um, hosting technique called Shut the Fuck Up and Listen. Seems to be working out so far. <laughs> uh, I'm going to read a couple of my notes, and anybody feel free to call in. With, I mean, feel free to jump in, whether it's Q, um, uh, Robert, or a new caller. But I was going to read a couple of my notes that I have in here because I just want to kind of run through them. 
Um, there's a lot of cheesy girl boss stuff, like when the um, sword agents were like, Wanda could have taken out Thanos by herself if he didn't initiate a blitz. And then someone else goes, no one even came close. Um, Captain Marvel came close. And it's like, okay, why are you trying to put all this weird feminine um, rewriting of history into like the Marvel things? Where it's like, yeah, the two women almost took out of everybody, you know? It's like, okay, well, so did Thor. Like, it was just so clearly, like, some weird thing that some women writers are trying to do to kind of, you know, um, say that Scarlet Witch and... Um, and Miss Mar and Captain Marvel could have beaten beaten the man Thanos if they had if they had a chance. And it was just like, okay, this is just a, kind of corny and heavy handed. And I didn't know why they put that in there. Um, there was some dumb little Easter egg stuff where this show did a lot of things that I hate. In that it tries to create an explanation for stuff that can just be thrown in there without an explanation, like because they want so hard to give a um, fancy explanation for unnecessary things. You know what I mean? So, for example, um, is her name Darcy? That annoying um, two broke girls character. Um, I forget, yeah, why I is her she name. in that show anyway? Yeah, Kat Dennings. She's so freaking annoying. That is endearing, her stupid, snarky, wisecracking character. It's, it's, it's so not. But she goes, they go, why do you call it a hex? Um, because of the hexagonal shape. Oh, now you're calling it a hex. You know, whatever. There's a dictionary definition for a hex. A hex is a word for a spell. You don't have to give some stupid... You don't have to have some ridiculous scientific meaning to it. A hex is a hex. Yeah, exactly. A hex is a hex. There's a dictionary definition for a hex. I Like, why did you have to put... Well, because the hexagonal... Like, just shut up. It's a hex. It's fine. Like, you know, Scarlet Witch... Her name is just Scarlet Witch. You don't have to give some kind of dumb reason, like, you know, for why she's called the Scarlet Witch. The only good thing about the show, I'll say, besides the first three episodes and the parodies, which I thought were good, the Scarlet Witch costume was dope. I like the Scarlet Witch costume. That, I wish they just did more of this dumb superhero stuff like that. I wish, yeah, the, they, they should have just gone with the Scarlet Witch costume and gone with the Scarlet Witch character. I think that's, like, one of the... Um, the downsides of Joss Whedon in the Marvel universe, like you keep in mind that like before the Russo brothers were like the anointed um, good movie directors, it was Joss Whedon. And he tried to do the whole grounding superheroes in reality kind of thing, which is like, I don't know when you're getting into like Thanos and the infinity stones and the Chitauri and all that, like you've, you've lost like just just embrace the superhero aspect wholeheartedly. So um, yeah, totally. When, so when they were um, in, in Age of Ultron, when they were uh, encountering uh, Pietro and Wanda for the first time, um, th like they didn't really want to go with this witch aspect to Wanda. Like uh, even in the uh, the film, they um, one of the lines was, "Okay, so he's fast and she's weird." Like they hadn't really defined Wanda's set of powers at all. And it's like you should they should have just leaned right into her character being a witch. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you already have a Hulk in there, so reality's broken. So to so just just lean in with it. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Like uh but why have the inside joke about a code name as I think that's silly was what we were just talking about. Uh why make an Avenger like Wanda 
evil right after she already started as a supervillain. First off, the Sokovia Accords were because of Sokovia being fucked up, right? Uh, that's because of Ultron. She was Ultron's accomplice until the very end. So basically, the whole reason that people kind of hate superhero people is because of uh, her indirectly, because the world just knows her as Ultron's accomplice who helped destroy... Um, it would be like a Charles, one of Charles Manson's people at the very end decided to turn Charles Manson in. That, to the public, to me, that's how she would look. Like, it was way too soon to turn her evil. She was evil way too recently. And there's not enough goodwill because she she wasn't heroic long enough, like like in the comics. So I just thought that was really weird that they assume she's sympathetic. And I think they assume she's sympathetic because they're assuming the viewers watching it know of her from the comics. So they're assuming that their comic knowledge of her superheroics is supposed to transfer over to this um, TV show. But to me, movie and TV Wanda has been like good for like 1.5 seconds and evil for like 55 um, seconds. It, it just doesn't work. Anybody can jump in at any time. I'm just reading reading my notes. How did Vision know to re- remove Norm from the spell? Like, like he just shocks his brain. I don't know why he knows how to do that or why he thinks it's necessary to do. Or And also, once the Norm says, hey, it's pain, it's torture, I feel like I'm dying, uh, Vision's like, hey, this is too much, guy. And he shocks him back into, into the, the, the state that he just described as being sheer torture and he goes back home and talks to Wanda. Like, that's just even worse. Like, you basically let Vision know how bad the state is and he's just shocking people back into the state and just letting people stay in that state. And I'm like, this doesn't make him, look, make him look heroic at all. Like, now he looks even worse. He's just um, letting people stay. St- I think this really just is these, like, these pe- like these shows are just these people's, like, the writers' lives, and they're just ranting about their own life. You know, they, they, they know that, like, other people in the world are suffering, like, immensely and they like taking a peek at it and then just ignoring it and just tossing it away. I was going to say, it makes sense if you think of the audience as the people trapped in Westview. No, I, I, I think what Robert's saying, and I agree with him, is that the audience is just the people who just put uh, refugees welcome here and then just go about their, their lives. <laughs> Don't care about what actually uh, happens logistically. Like, like, I think, well, I don't want to speak for you, Robert, but, but I think these people are just abstract things to them, you know, like their problems are real, but the world's problems are just like these abstractions that you just do the bare minimum to remedy. I mean, this is, I mean, this is, I don't know, like, I, I forgot the exact joke, but it's just like, wow, other people have the same feelings as I do. It's kind of just like, the, they, they, they don't realize it for some reason. But even if they do, it's like a, it's like an inversion of the animal part thing. Like everyone's equal, but some people are more equal than others. Like everyone has the same problems, but some people's same problems are less than other people's same problems. And I think like it's like they feel that way about themselves. Like we all have the same problems, but your same problems are less significant than mine. Kind of like how half the population lost loved ones because of the snap, according to um, Endgame. But somehow Wanda's loss from Endgame is 
I mean, I mean, if half of the people die, I feel like everyone remaining has lost someone because you know it's not like a one-to-one connection. I feel like everyone's lost someone at that point. Yeah, I think... yeah. I, I mean, I, I mean, I guess what Supreme Devil's Advocate. Uh, this place, this this takes place after Endgame, so a lot of the people have been snapped back into existence, and her loved one has not been snapped back into existence. But again, this is something that I brought up with Q before. The way that Endgame happened, there's no way everybody that died during Thanos snap came back because there was airplanes being flown, and if half the um, like a lot of people who probably died during Thanos snap didn't directly die because of Thanos snap. There are people on the road who, you know, when a lot of drivers snapped out of existence, ended up in car accidents and died immediately after. And they wouldn't come back when Thanos when Thanos snap was undone. People in planes who died when the pilot was stepped out of existence, that whole plane is going to... Everyone living in that plane would die. You know what I mean? Like, um, But that, that's a that's a problem with the, the, the new Marvel. They just put big sticks in there, but treat them lightly. And then it becomes very bizarre. Um, I, I just really see all of this as an extension of the writer's personal lives and their very uh, vapid sense of the world. You know, it, they remind me of Hill Dogs, where Hillary, is, it's, it's her turn. She's the one who has been, like, oppressed the most in all of American history for some reason. What about her I emails? Well, then you're, like, a Putin bot, which you talk about her emails. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, no, but everything with them is what about her emails? <laughs> no matter what you point oh, to yeah. about... How she was a bad candidate. So, in their mind, she was persecuted because of emails. That's the only thing they could think of. Well, yeah, but also because she was a woman and they prefer Bill. I don't like. They just. I. I just can't see. I. You just reminded me of one of the reasons why I just can't watch these shows and why I actively avoid them is just because they're all the same and they all remind me of all of the worst parts of political discourse where everything is incredibly vapid and. It, it, they t- they you know they just think about things in very simplistic terms. From I feel their like, perspective. I feel like all these shows across the board they should become part of a bigger universe called the SCU, which is like the shit lip cinematic universe, and it's just everything like from Harry Potter to this to West Wing, just the shit lip cinematic universe, just um, just horrible sheltered um bourgeois liberals problems just being universalized to be everybody's things and it just doesn't work and they don't understand why it doesn't work and they just assume everyone's just misogynistic and racist as a result um i feel like it's kind of the return of the aristocracy where it's like you know oh no the king and queen have their own problems and you poor peasants are just being really mean to them no no totally um some more notes much like the real office in Modern Family, when they arrived at episode seven and started emulating those, it's so sucked compared to what came before it. And I feel that way, like just like episode seven uh, and their parodies suck compared to the earlier episodes. I feel like, I mean, personally, I know it's not for everybody, but I cannot stand those mockumentary dry sh- sitcoms. Like, I just think they're so kind of boring and self congratulatory and smug. Like, and when they started parodying them, like, I know those shows are supposed to be so much cruder, like Bewitched and 
Big Van Dyke and whatever, but I'm sorry, they're just funnier. They just are. And when and when one division started parody, parodying the modern shows in the um in the later episodes, they just got so boring. Like, you know, like uh Vision mugging at the camera and like Jim in the office. It was it was um kind of bad. There was the line where someone said to um I think it was Wanda don't let him make you the villain. I I think I think Monica Rambeau said that to Wanda, and it's like, bitch, you've been a villain the whole show. <laughs> what the are you time. talking about? Yeah. yeah, what do you mean? Don't make you don't don't let. It... And then she goes, maybe I I already am. And it's like that was kind of meant to be shown as in she's buying into a false narrative about herself. But no, she, that was accidentally the most true thing written in the whole show. Like like. That was the most self-aware thing Wanda said the whole show. Like, there's no maybe. No, you were already the villain. Um, there's a part where Wanda says, the difference between me and you, you and me, is you did this on purpose. You know, about, you know, she says that, like, Agatha. But no, Wanda, at some point, even if you started this accidentally at the very beginning, you were told by episode four what you were doing, and you shut everybody up. You sent the black lady out of town. You... Uh, shut down Vision and made him shut up. So no, you were doing this on purpose too. Like just shut the fuck up. Like 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 no, you don't get any moral high ground here. Uh, no matter how you started, you were fully informed about what you were doing and you kept and you kept doubling down on it. So so uh, no, um, they'll never know what you did for them. Oh, shut the fuck up. Uh, that was crazy. And she goes, given the chance and your power. I'd have done the same. Uh, where they basically kind of just kind of excuse like, hey, anybody would have done what what Wanda did. And first off, Monica Rambeau re- resurrecting her dead mother. At least that's a real person. Like what Wanda did with her kids, they're fake kids. Like I, I don't care how you try to spin it, they're figments of her imagination, and they only exist. To f- the whole I don't know if you guys get this, but but it took me a while to realize this. The whole show happened in nine days. So these kids existed for nine days. Like, no, I'm sorry. That does not give you an excuse to lock people's kids up and torture them. Like, for made-up kids that existed nine days, like, no. Um, well, to bring something back, you know, they'll never mm-hmm. know what you did for them. It's just always valid. They just need validation from someone. You know, if you're doing it, totally. if you need validation, you're not doing it for yourself. And it's fine to do things for yourself, of course. But don't, don't, they're trying to act like they're saints. They're not. But also, what she did for these people, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of, like, conservatives who tell black people, hey, America freed the slaves. You should be grateful. It's like, wait, America enslaved them in the first place. Like, how does that... So what to be grateful <laughs> about? Like, like, this woman enslaved everybody and created the whole problem that she set them free from. And she didn't even, like, stay behind and turn herself into the authorities to pay the price. She didn't stay behind to help them with their therapy or whatever. She just finished traumatizing them, and she just let them free to sort it out themselves. So she's still a net negative, you know? So it's like even that little bit that she did was, like, a, still a net negative, you know what I mean? And she's supposed to be getting, like, um, praise for it. Like, get the fuck out of here. It's 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 Like, my big thing besides the whole bad plotting of this whole thing is just the weird morality. And I'm like... Social justice warriors should not be in charge. Like, like 
people with Twitter slash Tumblr morality should not be in charge of writing larger morality plays because they're small. Yeah, it's it's because they don't ever explore the interesting parts where, like, you know, you're like they're all of their actions have simple consequences, and they don't ever want to explore, you know, a lot of the you know the, the smaller things or not even like smaller things, but just like the the things that are one layer deep. Yeah, and, and their whole Twitter discourse is about being affirmed. This truth is all they care about. Am I being affirmed? And is revenge being achieved against the people I hate? And that gets extrapolated into this show where it's like everybody who's a minority or a woman is getting affirmed. And uh, everyone who's uh, bad to them, which is a like straight white uh, cis male, which is the director is getting uh, their comeuppance. And that's all they care about. It, the right people are getting affirmed, and the right people are getting um, revenged against. And it's... Um, there's got to be something deeper than that. The, you know, and it's and it's very personal and petty, you know? Um, some more stuff. I have a question here. Do, oh, the, please, do, please, they ever question, do they ever question, or does she ever question, like, if the people no. she's hurt ever deserve it? No. Or, no? No. No, no. I could tell you were reaching toward accountability. So before you even finish the question, I was like, no, because anything has to do with accountability does not happen in this thing. There's zero accountability. Not at all. No, no, no questioning. At the very end, they point out how bad the people's under her mind control is suffering, but they pointed out at the very end just long enough. To make her seem more noble, noble for letting them go, basically. And what, what's crazier about this, uh, Robert, is the people that the whole time that the show is being shown, there's no kids. They reveal later on, all the kids are locked away in rooms, away from their parents. So for nine days, they've got to be pissing or shitting themselves in these in some kind of room. I, I don't know what's what's happening. It's, it's those kids are gonna need therapy for the rest of their lives. And it's just a very bizarre show. They let her go free at the very end. <laughs> like like she was a good guy because she just uh stopped torturing people at the very end. And and uh, the Asian guy and the black lady and the other white lady let her go freely. As if, you know, hey, the hero got away and you know, uh it's like uh no, the villain of the whole piece has just got away. I don't understand I, I can't Why blame them. I'd want them out too. Just go as quick <laughs> as possible. You know, but even in this show, they can't even keep the the supposed good lesson she learned going because at the very end of the show, right, this is the very last scene, and uh, and, and, and Q, you can test to it. The very last scene is her reading the Darkhold and hearing her kids' screams, and she's obviously scheming to bring the kids back, which makes no sense to me. Like the whole thing about the show is supposedly she did all this fucked up shit but it's okay because she learned the lesson that you can't cheat death and you can't cheat trauma and you can't take a shortcut you know and and avoid the truth you have to accept the five stages of grief and accept the loss and the very last scene is her reading the evil book and accepting the scarlet witch name and and reading the book to figure out how to bring back her kids. I'm like, okay, so wait a minute. You can't even stick with your own fake epiphany. <laughs> epiphany. You're in their mind. 
and, and cute. Like, what do you think about that? Like, I don't understand why you put that final scene there. Like, it undermines. Like, I understand Doctor Strange undermining the lesson of this show because it's made by different people. But even the same people can't even the stick to their. Felt at the end of the film, like, I guess you haven't seen Multiverse of Madness yet, right? No, I haven't seen it yet. Okay, the mid-credit scene is undermined by the final, like, by the post-credit scene in Doctor Strange of Multiverse of Madness, and it had already under, like, two other movies, just a single conversation, um, in like the the first act of the movie. So it's it's gotten to the point now where like Marvel properties are repeatedly undermining themselves. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Happened. So because they were so desperate that everything in the Marvel is a setup for the next. They can't. Be They're just like two and a half. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, sorry, Q. For some reason, you For some reason, you can't. I'll get out for Schnarf. Uh, he can get it something to say. Okay. Uh, yeah, Q, for some reason. Re- okay. Well, yeah, for some reason, Q, you were cutting out. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why. It was cutting out for me too. Oh, sorry. I, I wasn't saying no. anything. I thought maybe yeah. it was just me. No, I, I was saying that uh, everything in the MCU seems. Uh, to, uh, everything in the MCU seems to be like setting up for the next production. So they're not like films, and they're not standalone series by any stretch. They're eight-hour promos for the next Marvel thing, and they're like two and a half-hour promos for the next Marvel thing, and it's gotten to the point where they're, they're not undermining themselves. Like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, the the mid-credit scene is undermined by the post-credit scene, and the first act of the movie undermines two like two of the previous movies that it's tied into, or two of the previous productions it's tied into directly. But yeah, this is no like the the fact that. Uh, that uh, one after getting the Darkhold book undermines all the developments you went through prior to that. That's no surprise because all they can do is move to the next thing. Yeah, it, it's it's just it's just amazing the amount that they undermine themselves. I'm gonna read one more note and then we're gonna, gonna get gonna get your snarf. Um, one thing one thing I like about this thing right is um, you know. Um, God, I have so many notes here. Oh my god! I didn't realize how many notes I made. Like, I I just couldn't get over this this thing. Um, um, I let okay the co- the Scarlet Witch costume was dope. I, I they should have given it that from the Age of Ultron. It took him way too long. The headdress, the cool long gloves, and I think like um, Elizabeth Olsen has like a very attractive look to her in that outfit. I think it goes well with her. I think she. Um, looks well in that. I think she looks good in that outfit. I think I think it works fine. Why did it take so many years for him to just give her the Scarlet Witch name and costume? Makes no sense to me, especially in a world where you fully embrace costumes. I, I just don't get it. But that was one good thing they did. I'm gonna give one co- one positive, and her in that costume I thought was was very good. Why does Sword have Vision's body five years after Infinity War and after Endgame? And why did none of Avengers or S.H.I.E.L.D. or Tony Stark try to get his body after five years? And I was watching some um, review of the show, and someone said that Vision, like, bequeathed his body to S.W.O.R.D. in the sh- in his will or something. I must have missed that in the show. But that still made no sense, because why wouldn't he bequeath it to his friends? And and his... Like, I don't say, like... So this body was kept there for five years, and when he started... 
dissecting it after Endgame. Like, like what the hell is it about? Like, it was, it was, the show just makes no sense to me at 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 all. Like, it, it needs things to happen, so it just writes them. It doesn't care if it makes any sense. Like, there's no reason Sora should have the technology to recreate a new vision body in two days. It makes no sense. Before you needed people on the level of Shuri and Tony Stark, plus a Mind Stone, plus so many other things, plus a store of vibranium to create vision and all this stuff. It's supposedly a bunch of sword scientists in two days with no Mind Stone and and it, like it, it, the plotting just makes no sense. I don't understand. How did the house vision bot stay untouched five years? Like after the five years that were gone, after Endgame, after everything, um, she finds this house that he bought just sitting there untouched. And how did the envelope with a deed to the house disappear in her car? Like after she goes to um, recover Vision's body five years too late. I don't know why she was waiting for five years to get his body. But after five years, she finally goes and gets the body. And she can't get it. She goes back to her car in the passenger seat. The deed to this house in New Jersey is there. Why was it on her passenger seat? What happened? Did a ghost put it? Like, what the fuck was that? Am, am I crazy? That that's, a, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. There's a detour to, to a house in her car. She just got out of the car to go to Sword. She gets rejected out of Sword. Then she comes back. Like, why was it there? Yeah, I, 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 I don't know, dude. I, I actually didn't even catch that, but you're 100% right now that I think about it. It, it, it. It's the weirdest thing. She goes back to her car after being kicked out of Sword, and there's a D to the house downstairs. And it's like, she doesn't question how it got there. He's been gone for five years. This this deed magically appears on, on, on the passenger seat of her car. She goes there. This house is untouched. Nobody reclaimed it. No one took the property back. You would think the government would have some kind of program for houses that belong to people snapped away. But no, this house is just sitting there waiting for her to reclaim like five and a half years after after the snap. Like this thing is the most horribly plotted thing I've ever... Like people are so happy to spot themes and spot metaphors that they don't even care about basic plotting, right? Um, so, uh, okay, I, I don't get it. Um, moving on. What Vision was supposed to be coming to stop Wanda. Like his whole talk with uh, Darcy, the scientist, is Wanda's torturing all these people. She's doing all of this stuff. I've got to stop her. I've not been fighting hard enough. He flies out of the ice cream truck to go uh, intercept her. When he gets there and White Vision is there, she's like, um, yeah, hey, hey, Vision, uh, I'm sorry I tortured all these people. And he's like, this is our home. Let's fight for it. Like, uh, bitch, what? <laughs> like, like, so she just gives a half-ass apology, and now you're like, let's fight for our home. Like, this home is based on torturing hundreds of people. <laughs> like, like, your whole vision, reason for flying there two episodes ago was because you wanted to stop her from torturing people. You want to stop turning turn a blind eye to it. So when you get there, she gives a half-assed speech, and you're like, this is our home. Let's fight for it. Yeah, it's a home based on having hundreds of people in slavery. Like, uh, how did you just change your mind like that? It's bizarre as, um, yeah, I don't get it. What are the stakes when Vision is a fake Vision? He's from her brain. 
and the kids are fake kids. Like this is kind of thing where oh my god, she's gonna lose vision and her kids a second time. Um, no, these kids aren't real, and this vision not even the real vision. And the real, the actual real vision, you sent away for no reason. <laughs> like like he got his memories back. He's like, hey, peace, I'm out, <laughs> and that and that's it. Like the stakes are all weird and fake. And by by the way, you can, you can jump in anytime. Just I'm just reading through, through. Um, oh wait, uh, Schnarf, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Schnarf. I'm just talking. I'm talking. Go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna make the same point that Q made. Um, you have to see the multiverse Doctor Strange movie, then it makes a little bit more sense. But I, I'm I'm a, I'm gonna tell you the truth. Like I, I really did not like WandaVision. I thought it was kind of stupid. And the the thing I wanted to ask you is. Is there a reason why they decided to double down on, like, the most, like, I would say they're the more esoteric characters in the Marvel Universe instead of, like, Punisher, Daredevil. You know, like, the original set of characters that they brought brought in to Netflix I thought were a lot more interesting than the shit that they've been doing with, like, uh, I don't know, like, the, the, the Pakistani Miss Marvel, the... Uh, What's the other one? Even Moon Knight. You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 yeah, the new Hawkeye. That's, a, that's, uh, yeah. that's a good question. Yeah, like the, yeah, the Kate Bishop Hawkeye and Moon, Moon Knight. Like, I can't even remember a time. Like, uh, as a as a young Marvel fan, I can't remember a time when Moon Knight was even really that popular. Like, even characters like Jared Thrasher and Nova were more popular than Moon Knight. Like. I, I, I'm not really sure like how he was supposed to fit into the broader universe and what was the, I don't know, like what was the impetus of, of bringing Moon Knight in of all people? I, I guess you could probably say the same of like Iron Man. Like when, when the Iron Man film came out originally, it was like 2007 or eight or whatever. Um, Iron Man was actually like sort of like a, like a C tier superhero that they had some really good ideas for. And um, like sort of like launched him and the Avengers into the stratosphere but they haven't done anything with these new characters that would warrant the same kind of popularity. Like they had something original and fresh that they could do with Iron Man that they just haven't done with, with Kamala Khan or with uh, uh, Mark Spector or, or any of these new characters, Kate Bishop or anybody like there's just nothing interesting to any of them. It, it's just seemed like either um, a, uh, a cheap vehicle for, established characters to uh, create legacy titles for new characters for characters that aren't even that well established in the first place um, or to create like filler content so that people can feel like they got something out of their Disney plus membership. I, I have a, I have a suspicion that the reason why the shit is the way it is, is because of mergers or and mergers and acquisition. And in order to like negate the last, like strategy they have to adopt the complete opposite and it has nothing to do with what people want to see or what you know people can identify with it just has to be contrary to what was there before me personally i like the deadpool movies i think they're good um they like i don't know maybe maybe it's just the, they're, they're a little more comical i like the wolverine stuff that they did that was somewhat maybe accurate sorry there's a train going by um, there, there's, there's certain things that I think they did well. The X-Men movies went to shit by the time you get to Age of Apocalypse. They just went to shit. 
Um, you know, I think I think they come out with good concepts. I think they just the the drive to produce a movie and get it to theaters at that point was so high that they had to churn out shit left and right. And I think the plot, the authenticity, just the ideas, they, they didn't they didn't give them enough time to like really mature and, and, and be good. You know what I mean? One thing I understand about the TV shows and Netflix stuff, what I understand, um, Marvel um, told people, hey, that stuff that we think is not going to be grand enough to get a big audience, let's just put on Netflix. So it's like, even though Daredevil is technically more popular, I think they figured... Guardians of the Galaxy, because in space, we can put a lot of Star Wars special effects on it and get a profit on it. So they kind of created these two tiers, things that are popular enough to maybe make a profit on a smaller budget, rightly or wrongly. I, I, mean, I don't believe that's 100% true, but I, I think I think Daredevil could pull it off on a big screen, but or Punisher can with the right script and acting. But for whatever reason, rightly or wrongly, they believe this stuff might not be profitable on a big screen and a big screen budget, but it might be profitable on on TV. So they they let Netflix handle it. But um Kevin Feige had nothing to do with that. Um but then um the Disney Plus stuff is all under Kevin Feige and and now he's trying to integrate all of it in together. And um yeah, I mean it's all it's all kind of bizarre to me and and, and inconsistent. And yeah, wasn't the uh, the Netflix stuff wasn't that under um, Avi Arad? Um, no, it wasn't Ev- under Avi Arad. It was under uh, Jeff Loeb. Jeff Loeb was the overseer. Oh yeah, yeah, you're of, right. It was Jeff Loeb. Yeah, yeah. Of, of there, oh, and, it, so and it's pretty. What, what do the two of you think about the boys? I like the boys a lot, even though I think season three kind of loses something. Um. I like the boys. Um, season three got a little bit too on the nose with the social satire, and it got a little bit too leaning in the like the liberal direction. I kind of liked it better when I felt it was making fun of both sides, but it's still like a million miles better, even at its worst, than this MCU garbage. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the uh, the boys. Actually, I thought season three was in some ways better than better than season two. Um, I thought season two was leaning a little bit in the, uh, I don't know, like in the, the, the message direction, whereas season three, I think like, uh, cleaned a lot of that up. Um, yeah, I, 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 it was, it was a lot more like engaging, even if I, at the very beginning of the season, it it seemed like a little bit of a fake out. Like I was like, okay, so why do we care so much about soldier boy? But, um, they really like built on, I think a very good story and, uh, even though like the final episode, I don't think was really resolved anything. Like it, it felt like they ended up right back where they were in the first place. Um, I, I like the third season a little bit better, but it, I mean, regardless of whether I thought the quality dropped off or not, it's just like leaps and bounds ahead of anything that Marvel's produced for TV so far. Oh, oh wow! I just realized there's more people in the queue. Um, Schnarf, I really enjoyed your. Um take but since other people are in here i'm gonna um jump to them as well but as usual everyone else feel free to come back up if you have anything else to um say i'm gonna read one more um note i have and then go to um 
Dane, um, the usage of Monica as the intersectional feminist who kind of helps the white feminists seem more sympathetic kind of annoyed me. Like, one thing I realized is white women with all the Karen discourse and everything, all the white feminism discourse from intersectional feminists, they kind of realize that they're not really popular anymore. And they can't just claim oppression very easily. So now what they do is they use black women as a way to kind of still be on the oppressed side by letting black women lecture them and also letting black women redeem them. So I feel like Monica's they, they also have to have place, They also have to have natural hairdos. Yes, of course. That too. They had to have natural hair, which which Monica did. And and I feel like Monica was there basically to kind of unwhite an um Wanda. So it's like, hey, Wanda's feminism is still intersectional because a black woman lect- she let a black woman lecture her and a black woman gave her her forgiveness. So it's like uh Wanda is supposed to be good because even though she's a white feminist, she allows a black feminist to update her feminist and make it more quote unquote reality based or intersectional. So Wanda so so Monica like tells her, Hey, um what you're doing is not based on reality. There's a real world outside, and I, as the the black feminist, I'm going to tell you what it is. And Monica's resistant, and the, and Wanda's resistant to it at first, and throws her out. Like Wanda's not ready to be intersectional, but by the end, she does um, accept reality. And then the black woman tells her, "Hey, they want to appreciate what you did, what you did for them." And and I just felt it was a very cynical use of um, the black woman, and I felt like. It was fake empowering because, you know, they kind of make her seem like, oh, she redeemed or educated um, Wanda and whatever. But and, and that Wanda was saved by listening to black women, supposedly. But at the end of the day, it's still neo mammyism. It's still the biggest goal is to help the white woman self-actualize, you know. And it's a feminist version to me of of, of Mammy and Scarlett O'Hara. Like she's still a magical Negro. I don't care how you try to um, wokeify it, you know. But it's it's still the, the old trope of the black woman being the handmaiden to the, to the white woman and helping her be her best uh, self and be like a. It, it, it's just a female magical Negro um, stuff, and I and I found it to be such a fake patronizing. Um, piece of representation, and yeah, by all means, Dane, feel free to unmute and jump in. Hey, good evening, T and Q. Uh, yeah, I I've been kind of bouncing in and out because of work stuff this evening, so I haven't heard the entire conversation. Um, so forgive me if I retread uh, ground that's already got uh, footprints all over it. But I was curious if you guys have had the opportunity to watch any of the. Uh, the Netflix adaptation of Sandman that came out over the weekend? Oh, no. I, I The only thing that I've had any time to watch, actually, was uh, was that new Prey film. I intended to watch um, Sandman because I was a fan of the uh, uh, the the original Neil Gaiman uh, comic. So I wanted, I wanted to see how it was adapted, but no, I haven't gotten to watch it yet. Yeah, I, I've been going through it. I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the book myself. It's one of the few comic series where I've I've read cover to cover just because I was so yeah. into it. Go ahead. That thing lost me at the word Netflix. Uh, as soon as I heard Netflix, I was good. 
I had no desire to watch it. Uh, I had three predictions uh, on my Discord. I made these three predictions. I said, if it's Netflix, I, f- I figured three th- one of three things are gonna happen. He's gonna look like an underwear model, like very generically attractive underwear model. Number one. Number two was, I figured they're gonna race bend somebody to be biracial, and my guess was um, death. But I was wrong because I saw her later on, and she was just black. So I was wrong. They raised Benson to be 100% black. So I thought she'd be... Because Netflix loves biracial women. So I was wrong about that. And I forgot what my third prediction was. But um, no, no, I, I didn't watch it. I just did not expect the best. After Netflix killed killed um, Death Note, I don't trust him on anything else. Yeah, I mean, I, I never watched Death Note. And I, having watched the Japanese version of the Death Note film, I, I knew that I could only, you know, find shortcomings in comparison to, to the American adaptation. So it, it was nothing that was ever on my radar. I, I like I said, I, I was, I had read the books cover to cover. I very much enjoyed them when I was younger. And, and I've been going through the show so far and I have liked it uh, up to this point. I'm, I'm about halfway through it. Um, it, it is very true to the narrative that's laid out in the book and it's not trying to it's condensing the the stories in each of the books i believe the the first season is preludes and nocturnes followed by uh, a doll's house and rather than um trying to stretch out a single narrative arc all through it all the way throughout like a 10 episode run it, it sort of condensed both books into um um like four episodes a piece or like five episodes a piece rather with with sort of an interim episode in the middle transitioning between the two i think the narrative benefits from that quite a bit it, it allows for uh or rather it doesn't allow for as much uh, uh loose uh, uh flagellum flailing associated with treading water finding justifications for why a story needs to go through through the entire run i, I guess you had you had mentioned yeah like like the, the, the it being netflix my one hang up about being too good uh uh uh, or getting too into the series at this juncture is obviously the fact that netflix is going through the uh uh, financial peccadilloes that it is at the moment getting getting you know engaged up to an episode 10 cliffhanger only to find it's not going to come i think the the budget associated with this show the the quote i heard was about 15 million per episode so you know multiply it by 10 is no small investment so 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 as a function of that i I do hesitate to uh to to get overly enamored with it knowing that next netflix enjoys uh killing things in the crib just to sort of watch them die but um yeah at the same token i guess i am i i i i I am grateful for the series in the sense that this you you talked earlier and i i I listened to the kenobi episode about how like you know the what amounts to storytelling and in these shows, these properties anymore, you know, sort of microwave grievances associated with like an Uber driver calling you baby, like, you know, while you're held hostage in the back of the cab and stuff like that. So <laughs> looking, 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 looking at a show that, you know, by its very nature does deal in broad themes um, associated with, you know, I'm also sitting about that. Right. Um, even within this show, of WandaVision, there was a weird kind of unintentional commentary, right? Where in the, when they were in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 2000s, they had such a plethora of family shows to draw from. And by the time they got to the 2000s, the only family show they really had was Modern Family, really, to me. And the rest was 
the office and parks and rec, which were workplace things. And I was like, to a certain extent, even Modern Family is not really a family show. Modern Family is more about subverting families. It's about modern family. Like, oh, families used to be this. Here's a family that's fucked up and weird now. Like, you know, um, you know, uh, step fam- step families, um, gay parent families. I'm not saying those families are fucked up and weird. I'm saying that the show is kind of saying that, hey, these are fucked up and weird by traditional standards. It was about how like what the show was showing for the modern sitcom was either shows about workplaces or shows about subverting the tra- tra- traditional idea of family. And it, I was kind of looking at it and thinking, yeah, so this show is kind of making unintentionally a commentary about how the very idea of family is kind of uncool in, in, modern like liberal society you know but and then it had nothing interesting to say about that you know, you know what i mean like every other previous generation was just about the evolutionary the evolution of the nuclear family and then now in the 2000 parody episode is just workplace drama and i'm like this could have been a great point to make some kind of commentary but they really had nothing. They really had nothing to say. It was at that point, which is a, a boring Marvel movie. At at that point, and I was wondering what you guys thought about thought about that. That just kind of, I don't know if they just didn't notice that they stumbled on the, an interesting conundrum, or if they just didn't care that they stumbled on it, or, or whatever. No, I think what's interesting, uh, you're right, is that like workplace, in many ways, has um, both subverted and replaced. Um, like if not in the popular imagination, at least in um, uh, everyday life, because a lot of us don't really have families or at least like the same kind of familiar relations anymore um, with workplace and hustle culture taking up so much of our lives. Uh, we don't really have time for all that. And it's reflected a lot in our entertainment, but yeah, you're right. I think that that's something that um, one division could have at least uh, given a nod to, but I think when you're, I think for a lot of these people, like they're in the culture so much that they either don't notice it or accept it as being completely normal. Well, what's pretty interesting about this show was that for a show that's so progressive, one division was surprisingly kind of trad because it was like all she cares about is having this nuclear family. And even in light of this modern family, office, parks and rec life, she's still fighting to be trad. I'm like, you know, you could have a nice red scare narrative. Like let let Wanda be Dasha and Anna. Let her be freaking you know, I want to be this trad progressive. <laughs> you know that Wanda break scared just for a second to tell you losers to read Christopher Lash. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, that was the most interesting thing about about it was by even as by accident, it was Wanda was weirdly trad. She was she was trad cat. Like her whole her whole demeanor with the red outfit seemed very felt very Catholic to me. You know, and she was very trad. I'm like, imagine actually like had the um worldview awareness or curi- intellectual curiosity to just lean into just Tradcath Wanda. That would have been pretty int- pretty interesting. But yeah, it, it was um I don't know. By all by all means, uh, Saeed, feel free feel free to uh, jump in. 
Oh wait, Saeed disappeared. What happened? Two people disappeared. First, first. Um. Oh wait, Saeed's back. Okay. Uh, to the person before Saeed. We okay. Didn't kick yeah. You out. I got so the you... Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. 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 I, I was trying to add to the thing you said about families before, or, or what Q said about families before. Um. Like, like, yeah, we spend way more time at the office and stuff like that, and that's and work has completely like subsumed our personal lives to the point where, like, every single week now, you see people like writing these, like, dude, like, there's, there's someone from the Times or whatever was going to write a paper about how we need to go back to work in offices because, um, how else are you going to make friends? But that, that's that's a I'm, I'm making a digression, but but like, another thing I wanted to add is like a lot of the family dramas that do exist now, it's all about like rich people. Who, 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 like, hate their families, like Game of Thrones, um, Succession, and um, Yellowstone. Like, like even Yellowstone is supposed to be, point. like, the, um, yeah, yeah, Yellowstone is supposed to be, like, 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 like the show of, like, the um, the working blue-collar man. That show is about, like, these rich ranchers. Ranchers, like, blue-collar coded, but they're still rich people who, like, don't like their families, like, yelling at each other and trying to, like, cut each other down and stuff like that. So that's another way to how, like... Um, the shows like reflect how like capitalism is like destroying the family and stuff. Yeah, I think it's a great point. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, like to the extent they do have family, it's about uh, how family hates each other, and and it's it's a very jaded view on uh, on on family and very classist um, view on family. Uh, I'm gonna throw in a couple of other. Um, points in my notes just because I want to get them out but uh, people are still free to jump on the points that the points that you made like I'm not jumping on these points to skip past the points you made but just because I want to uh, finish the, finish them but um, one thing one thing I found it um, interesting is that even as the show says that Wanda is not the villain everyone paints her to be you know because she has a split second of awareness they still keep undermining it as the show goes on because her punishment for Agatha Harkness is dark and fucked up as hell. Like we have all these episodes and scenes of people describing how messed up it is to be under Wanda's spell and being forced to live out this role. Like they're in physical pain. They're forced to relive all her nightmares day in, day out. And like people straight up ask for death and nothing that, Agatha Harkness is a good person. She's not. She's a pretty bad person. But Wanda's big thing to show that she's not a villain that Agatha Harkness says she is, is I'm going to put you under my spell for eternity. You're going to be the nosy neighbor forever, for perpetuity. I'm like, bitch, you would have been better off killing her. Like, that's worse than killing her or putting her in jail. Like, like this fate worse than death, that people actually ask for death over. You're going to put her in for, like, the rest of her life? Like, have you proven that you're as I mean these people do not understand morality at all like she's still doing the same shit even in the redemption that she was um supposed to to conquer like it doesn't matter that Agatha's an evil person that's not a superheroic thing thing to do that just blew blew my blew my mind um when they say that the Scarlet Witch is more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme I thought that was more cheesy kind of feminism like I don't know, like, is she more powerful than Sorcerer Supreme? What's the point of having a Sorcerer Supreme? Like, the whole word is called Sorcerer Supreme. It's like Supreme. It's ridiculous. Even even the comics, like, 
Wanda is not more powerful than Doctor Strange. I thought that was Doctor Strange was like bizarre. taking on like the uh, the mindless and was able to like you know one v one Dormammu. So uh, yeah, that that was that was a weird kind of power scaling they did there. Yeah, yeah, it was it was very um, b- bizarre. But um, yeah, but going back to your point, uh, Saeed, I totally, I totally agree as agree as as well. Like that, that is, uh, I don't know. I, I, I've been ranting too much. I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna just shut up for a while. Acute, Hugh, and Saeed. If you no, have I, I, else. Oh, much, Saeed, uh, Saeed, look. I pretty much had said everything that I need to say. So, I mean, for me, it was a it was a good place to wrap up. Okay, I mean, we had very few callers for such a highly rated show. I thought a lot of people would be jumping in, even if to defend the show. But I don't know. Maybe people agree with. Oh wait, oh, Saeed's back. Okay. Hey, what's up, Saeed? Okay. Right. Can, you, can you guys hear me now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can. Yeah, we can okay. hear you. Yeah, I don't know what happened yeah. before. Yeah, and another thing is like I don't know if you guys were talking about this before because I joined the stream kind of kind of late, but like, the other guys the thing that this show is just like so overrated. Like I saw like in the media, people were talking about it as, as like this is one of the greatest shows of our generation and stuff like that. Like, oh, we so definitely agree that it was overrated. So, and they said that about Wonder Vision. Yeah, people were oh, saying yeah, this that show was highly rated, nominated for awards and stuff. Like, I don't know, the show is so overrated, man. So, some screenwriter woman said that it's the most amazing screenwritten show ever, oh and that all screenwriters God. had the jaw dropped. Uh, in, in particular, the line about um, why does grief but love persisting? I guess the most basic one-on-one shit. I can't believe that's the shit that you're um, saying is the most deep thing about this show. Yeah, it's fucking mind mind blowing. You you like Bojack you know Horseman, like this is the generation of artistic talent that produced like Queen and Slim and uh, <laughs> Insecure. Like, I don't know if this generation understands what talent actually is. It's, no, it's funny so. too because like so many people have been. I don't know if you've been seeing on social media the last few days. Um, I'm not sure exactly where it came from, but people have been putting Orson Welles on the timeline, like, like Orson Welles has basically been turned into a meme. And it's like, if you want to see what actual talent is, Orson Welles, like, even by his, even by the standards of his day, was one of the most talented entertainers. Like, oh, hell yeah. Like, as far as, yeah, like, as far as directing and acting and writing, producing, etc. Like, he was just one of, like, a once in a generation, if not, like, once in, like, once in, in an industry talent. And, like we don't aspire to that level of greatness anymore. I think what they what people aspire to is to like just to be known for being known. And these weird kind of like I don't know these these truisms and like these cliche like one liners and shit like that. Like people want to be people want to be Joss Whedon. They don't want to be Orson Welles. No, no, they they want to be Orson Welles, but they're not talented enough to do it. Yeah, but, and, yeah. Actually, that's the point I wanted to make earlier. Is that like if you really think about it. A uh, character in a book or a film, uh, like a clever character, is only as clever as their writer is capable of being. And I think that these people are just so satisfied and so smug with their own cleverness that they're, I don't know, like too short-sighted or just like maybe they've got like too many sycophants around them to realize they're not clever. They're not even that smart. Yeah, I yeah, think a big I, problem. T- 
I think a big problem too is uh, one thing I heard somebody complain about was a therapist was complaining that a lot of modern therapy is just about either affirming the client or confirming that the people they hate are bad people. So I think a lot of people like Woody Allen and a lot of old writers underwent a lot of therapy and, and don't get me wrong. I know Woody, Woody Allen is not like a great person, but his early movies are to me are much more interesting than a lot of these movies. Even if you think he's a shitty person, you know, as far as like, as far as analyses of like somebody's um, own foibles. And it's like, I think therapy has degraded. So writers, because if you think of writers, of people who have gone through a lot of therapy and stuff and try to translate it to a page or use the pages therapy, because therapy under like, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy and this kind of, um, hey, we're going to affirm you at any cost and, you know, confirm that your enemies are bad people type of therapy is what they're using to inform their own writing. Then I think a lot of this modern writing makes makes sense. It's just um, therapy is more superficial. So, like, the, the psychological insights of these writers, because this felt like some, this felt like written by people who've gone through therapy, but it's like the therapy is very shallow. No, no, and, no they, they, they view therapy as, as a way to, to like make themselves seem deeper and like more worldly. Like, like they, they, yeah, exactly. they, they don't, they don't, they don't view therapy as a way of like solving themselves or becoming better people or anything like that. Well, well, the, the, they, well at least they, they not, not, not in any meaningful sense. Like therapy exists so, so that you can say it's, it's like a way to show that to the world that you're more cosmopolitan. You're more like deep and like you, you, you've you explored your inner self and stuff like that. So that, 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 that's why they think, they think like using any therapy language or lingo that automatically makes your show deep and that makes them like Orson Will. I think like I think it's exactly what you said. And one more one other thing, like what I want to say is not a contradiction to what you're saying. But in addition to it, like I think it's totally what you said to see more deep and to see more cosmopolitan. But also therapy is there to validate what you're already going to do anyway. So it's a, it's a way to tell you that you were all right and you're fine and you don't need to change. So it's like it shows you cosmopolitan and and evolved and whatever. And it's also a way to kind of say like, hey, this fucked up thing you did, it doesn't make you a bad person. Here's why it's actually a sign that you're a good person. You know, it affirms you and also it says why anybody that you hurt along the way uh, actually, you probably had it coming for some for some reason, and I think that's kind of what shows in a lot of this um, work. Like you know, it's um, uh, this is the very last. This is the very last thing I will. Uh, well, actually, it's, it's it's two things that I'm going to say. Um, mystery box writing, which has kind of been popularized under J.J. Abrams, uh, puzzle film writing, and this is kind of what I'm talking about with um. Nope, too. This idea of I'm writing things. This is the difference between a mystery box and a mystery, right? Um, a mystery is something where you know everything the protagonist knows and everyone else knows, and you're discovering stuff alongside the protagonist. So it's like, hey, I'm shadowing this detective. The detective walks on the scene. I know everything the detective knows to solve this mystery and we're discovering all the clues together. 
Mystery Box, which is like J.J. Abrams, Damon Lindelof, modern uh, post-2000s writing, is when something's withheld from you, the um, audience that is un- needed to understand the basic mechanics of what you're watching. So it's like with, with WandaVision, it's a mystery box thing because what is even happening here? There's a sitcom. What does a sitcom mean? Um, there's something uh, that's being withheld from the audience that the protagonist knows. And what makes mystery box suck is that it's a cheap way to make the thing seem more complex and deep than it is. It's like, it's not only withholding something from the protagonist and the audience, it's withholding something from the audience that about the protagonist themselves. Like, like, Watchmen by Damon Lindelof is a perfect example. Like, we're not told that Regina King's husband is Dr. Manhattan, even though she knows it. So we're not able to fully connect with Regina King because the mystery box format forces the writers to withhold part of Regina King from us, a very important part, in order to spring the surprise on us. And with mystery box writing, you end up with certain tropes that are really annoying, which is a lot of unreliable narrators, a lot of flashbacks, because you have to put later on in the movie all the missing aspects of the protagonist that you needed to know in the beginning. So it's like in episode four or five of something, suddenly you get these flashbacks that fill in the blanks that would have made it. And it's a way to kind of hide the plot holes of the movie. Because like, say say with WandaVision, by mystery boxing the whole thing, you don't really understand the full plot by like the second to last episode. And their hope is that by that point, they're doing such long exposition dumps on you. You're going to miss all the plot holes that were evident the first seven uh, uh, episodes. And yeah, I'm just sick of mystery box stuff. That's, that's the second to last thing I want to say. The last thing I want to say is the whole movie, I mean, the whole show is Tumblr slash Twitter logic, which is, you can be as shitty as you want to people if you can point out that you were mistreated at some point in your life and that the people that you mistreated in in revenge had some type of privilege that you didn't, uh, which makes it okay that it's their turn to suffer. And, yeah, those are the last two things I want to say about this show, and I'm I'm done, and I want to let you guys have the last it, word. It actually if you just reminds to. me of... Um... 